Well, come, precious Prince of Peace, and lead us into your word and lead us into an understanding of it. Open our hearts, open your word, and do your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, do you ever, do you ever come to a passage of Scripture and read it, particularly a promise in Scripture, and go, eh, I don't know. It doesn't really fit my experience. You ever come across a passage that, that seems to be kind of an overstated promise or seems to be offering something that sounds a little too good to be true? Well, uh, the passage we're looking at today, I think, is one of those passages for a number of people. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Here are the words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It sounds like it says, if you ever feel anxious, don't. Just pray, and all your anxiety will go away. It will be replaced by perfect, lasting peace. How many of us would say that that's our experience? I think we'd all kind of put a big asterisk by the end of this promise. Well, here's what I'd like to do. Bring to mind right now, <laughs> I probably don't need to ask you to do this. You're probably already doing this. Uh, bring to mind... Uh, a source of anxiety or concern or stress for you right now in your life. We all have one or many. Where's the place that you feel a consistent lack of peace? I mean, it could be everything from finals coming up or summer plans or what you're doing for school in the fall or maybe retirement or caring for an aging parent or a challenging relationship with a kid, trying to buy a house in a ridiculous housing market working through a painful relationship, grieving the loss of a loved one, or just trying to get out of bed in the morning. Okay, with that in mind, let's walk into this passage. First, let me just tell you about an ex something that I experienced recently. It was actually during the week leading up to Easter, during Holy Week. I've shared with you that we just went through the very, very involved process of moving Sharon's mom in with us, which is a joy. We just love having her. But that meant moving a lot out and moving a lot in and, and was disruptive and meant time off. And then right on the heels of that was Sharon's surgery. She's doing great, by the way. Uh, but that, was, uh, that also meant more time off and more kind of time and emotional energy invested to that. And then during Holy Week, I was looking ahead to just this past week when I had Covenant Group, drove down to North Carolina. And next week, when I have the whole week off for study leave, uh, and, which also takes me out of town, and, and then during that week, we we're right kind of full steam in the middle of some really significant conversations about some, some important uh, home improvement projects we want to be doing in the building and inviting the congregation into, trying to prayerfully be discerning about what God would have us learn uh, through post-COVID realities, how he wants us to adjust and do ministry differently, trying to prioritize and, and be creative in thinking about what we want to do this spring and summer and fall in ministry. And, and that's just part of it. I mean, on and on goes uh, the list of what we were trying to do. And uh, when I, when I uh, came into Holy Week, I just found myself in kind of a place of list paralysis. I always use legal pads to make my list. 
And uh, so I had a list like this. It just goes on and on. Uh, this is actually a list from about that period of time. Several pages, you know, 40, 50, 60 things that I need to do that are work-related. And another big, long list of stuff I need to do at home. And I got to the point where I would go to start one of those things and just begin to get started. And all of a sudden, up would come all this noise from all of the other things I wasn't doing in that moment. And so I'd put this one down and pick up this one and start in on that. And then eventually I, the noise would come up again. And I just kind of got overwhelmed in that moment. All right, so let's take your situation and let's take mine. And let's just walk through this passage in the light of those things that have been heavy on our hearts. Hear it again. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we take this like a magic formula that will give us magic results... Never worry, wave a wand of prayer, and all your anxious thoughts will disappear. It just doesn't work, at least not often, not lastingly. But I think as we walk through this passage, we'll discover that there's actually a deeper and more significant promise. And one that does bring about increasingly deep and lasting peace. for us. So let's just start at the beginning and walk our way through this. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious is just kind of a really broad word, something we are preoccupied with, something we're concerned about, stressing out over, overwhelmed by. It's everything across that spectrum. But it's interesting that the word anxious isn't actually the word that this passage starts with. It's the word anything. And actually, it's the word nothing. Literally, it says, in nothing, be anxious. I love how my friend Walter Hansen captured what's going on here in his commentary on Philippians. The way he frames this is this. Nothing is a proper object of our continuous stress and worry. He also captures something that I think is crucial that we notice. And that is that this passage is in the present tense. And that means something a little different in Greek than it does in English. And that is that it's referring to something that is ongoing, something that keeps happening, something that's continuous. It's describing a habit of the heart that we have fallen into. So he, remember he says, nothing is a proper object of our continuous stress and worry. That word continuous captures what this is meaning to communicate in this passage. So it's saying, don't keep being anxious. Don't continue to be anxious. This isn't a condemnation of anxious thoughts. One translation makes this come out, have no anxiety at all. Well, that's a big help. As if we choose to be anxious. We don't. That's not possible. As as Walter says, anxious thoughts naturally multiply in times of trouble. We don't choose them. So if we don't get this distinction right, I think that we can fall into a really discouraging either-or way of thinking that can be so devastating to us as Christians who want to honor God with a heart of faith. Because it sounds like either I am anxious or I trust God and have faith. 
But that's a false dichotomy. No, we are going to have anxious thoughts because we are going to find ourselves in challenging situations because we live in a broken world and we are broken people. It's just part of the human condition. The question isn't whether or not we have anxious thoughts. The question is what we do with them. So in nothing, be continuously anxious. But in everything, in every situation, the passage goes on by prayer and petition. Magic is a belief that a thing, a word, has supernatural power. Faith is a belief that God has supernatural power. Prayer isn't in the category of magic, as though our prayer has supernatural power. Prayer is in the category of faith. Our relationship with God, our conversation with God, is the place we access his power. Prayer is not a magic formula we wave over our circumstances. Prayer is a conversation that we have, an ongoing conversation we have with God in the midst of our circumstances. So at its most basic, think about what prayer is. Prayer is an act that brings God into our circumstances. Prayer really is a way of orienting our lives to God wherever we find ourselves. It is centering our lives on him wherever we are. You may remember one time in a sermon a number of years ago, me describing two basic outlooks that we can have in life. Both of them kind of as a thought experiment. Think about us in a box. In one way of thinking, it's me and this challenging thing I face, and that's it. We're in this box. It's got a lid on it. So if I'm going to get through this, it's up to me. The other perspective is one that says, it's that challenging thing that I face, and it's me, but the lid is off of the box. God is present. He's available. He's at work. Prayer is a way of, of orienting ourselves and going, ah, there you are. It's orienting our lives towards God in the middle of whatever we find ourselves in. So let's just pause for a moment. Think about that thing that you've already thought about, maybe have continued to be thinking about, that's a source of trouble or anxiousness for you. Just standing in that, picture your, you orienting yourself toward God, just fixing your eyes on him, centering your life back on him. I think there's another really important uh, detail that comes through in this passage. The word here for prayer means supplication. That actually means praying for other people. The other word means petition, which means praying for ourselves. It's a passage that calls us to both. That little detail highlights something that we do not want to miss in this passage. Remember the, the word for the fellowship that we share, the partnership we have as a body of Christ in, in Greek is the word koinonia, this kind of sharing of life together. Prayer is meant to be, peace is meant to be, a gift to the whole koinonia. It's a shared gift. It's a, it's a gift for the whole family. This whole invitation from Paul in verses 6 and 7 is in the plural. This applies to all of us together as we do life together. So when any of us individually faces trying circumstances, Paul says that we are meant to walk through those, to navigate those together with one another. 
We come together as the people of God every week to, to enjoy him and to enjoy each other's company. We praise God together. We remember together what's true about God. And we ask for God's help on one another's benefit. If you're in an anxious place, I get to pray for you. If I'm in an anxious place, you get to pray for me. One of the surest ways for us to sink deeper and deeper into anxiety and to miss altogether the gift of peace is to isolate ourselves and to try to do life alone. Unfortunately, you know this, I'm not telling you anything new. That is our reflex, isn't it? It is our reflex when we start to get overwhelmed to start to recede from others, to start to pull back. Paul says, do just the opposite. Lean in towards one another. And that will actually help contribute to your experience of peace. It will help reorient you to God. Okay, so he says, with prayer, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. If prayer orients our lives to God and centers our lives on him, thanksgiving opens our eyes to God. It, it includes God in the picture, and it presses us to look around and see where God is present and already at work. One of the most important practices that we can uh, engage in as followers of Christ. And we tend to think you give thanks when everything's good. And Paul is saying, no, it's just the opposite. The best time to give thanks is when everything's hard because God is present and at work. I love how the anticipatory quality of praise is expressed in Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim in advance, in anticipation, to proclaim your love in the morning. That's what I'm going to experience today. And your faithfulness at night. I know I'm going to get to the end of the day. I'm going to be able to look back on this challenging day and see evidence of your having been with me in it. Karl Barth says, I love this. To begin by praising God for the fact that in this situation, as it is, he is so mightily God, such a beginning is the beginning of the end of anxiety. Let me just say that again. To begin by praising God for the fact that in this situation, as it is, he is so mightily God, such a beginning is the beginning of the end of anxiety. So let's just pause again. Standing in the midst of the thing that's causing you stress or anxiety right now, Open your eyes and look around and look for evidence of the presence and goodness of God. I bet the more you look, the more you'll see. Where is God already showing himself loving and faithful and worthy of your trust? Paul goes on, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. Now, there's something going on here that's deeper than just handing God your wish list. Yes, this expression, present your request, can be translated, make known what, what you want. But I think a better way to translate this is acknowledge your needs. Admit your dependence. Acknowledge your need for God and your total dependence upon him. Tell him that you need him and that you can't live without him. When we present our request to God, we are admitting our need for God. God, I need this and I need this and I need this. And wow, really God, what I need is you. 
So take another moment just to pause and let that thing that is overwhelming you and pressing you down actually be the thing that is lifting you to God. Let it remind you that you need him, that you have limits to your wisdom and your power, but God has none. Confess to God your need, not just for what he gives, but for who he is, your need for him. So then we come to the pivot word, and. And, as a result, what? The result will be what? What does Paul say will be the answer to our prayers? Trick question. Nothing. He doesn't even mention answers to the requests that we make to God. There is no mention of an answered prayer. It doesn't say pray. And then God will answer your prayers by giving you the specific things you ask for and changing your circumstances, and then you will experience peace as a result of that. I think what Paul seems to be saying by this is that peace is the result of where we fix our eyes and our heart. Orienting our lives to God, opening our eyes to God, admitting our need for God, apart from any specific answer that God may choose to give us to our specific requests. Our peace isn't tied to God's specific answer to prayer. It's tied to his presence in our circumstances. And as a result, the peace of God. This word means a joining together, a tying everything together into a single whole. You know this, but when we are anxious and overwhelmed, our minds and our hearts become scattered. When we are anxious, we go to pieces. But when we focus on God's presence, right in the middle of whatever we are facing, we are brought back into wholeness. We are helped to remember, to have the parts of us joined back together, to remember what is true chiefly about him. The peace of God that God gives is really the God of peace giving us himself in this. Every time we reorient in our lives to God and open our eyes to see the evidence of his presence and acknowledge the depth of our need to God, for God in this and in all things, then God walks right through the middle of our challenging circumstances, helping us to remember what is true about himself. And that changes everything. He walks through proclaiming, as he did to Moses in Exodus 34, I am the Lord. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love. Remember that really important detail that we noticed at the start of this, that this is written in the present tense. Continue to invite God. Continue to look for God. Continue to admit your need for God as often as your anxiety rises up, even if you have to do it 70 times a day. I love how Walter concludes his insights on this passage. He says, this continuous positive focus on God through prayer and thanksgiving to God in everything breaks and replaces the habit of worry with the habit of trust. Isn't that powerful? Let me just read that again. This continuous positive focus on God through prayer and thanksgiving to God in everything breaks and replaces the habit of worry 
with the habit of trust. When we habitually orient our lives toward God in that way, turning to him and including him, whenever trouble surfaces, then more and more and more and more, we will experience the peace of God. Which, Paul says, transcends all understanding. What does that mean, that this peace transcends or surpasses our understanding? Well, students of Scripture give us two answers to that question, and I think that they are both right. One of those is it just means that the kind of peace that God gives us is beyond our imagining. So here I am, overwhelmed and sinking in my anxious circumstances, and I think those are going to have the last word. So for me in that moment, to imagine that there is a peace that could be even greater than the anxiousness I feel, that's beyond my understanding. But I think that there's something else that Paul is getting at. And that is the way that God brings peace to us is beyond what we could ever get our minds around. And that's because the way we try to find peace as human beings is by using our understanding. And God, through Paul, exposes the flaw in that way of thinking. Here's the challenge. As human beings, we want to get our minds around our circumstances. We want to understand what God is doing. And we want it, frankly, to meet our approval before he goes on with his plan. And in that way, we think, if I understand what God's up to, and I agree, and I approve, then I will experience peace. In that way, we're flawed in our thinking. God offers us a peace that transcends our understanding. It's not the work of our hearts and our minds that bring about peace. It is a beyond figuring out peace that actually will guard our hearts and our minds. It's just the other way around from how we tend to approach it. In the ancient world, they didn't have tidy categories for our interiors, the kind that we have for the various aspects of a person. The word heart refers to the whole person's inner being, your heart, your mind, and your will. And this word mind refers to whatever rises up from and gives expression to your innermost being. So your feelings welling up from your heart, your thoughts emanating from your mind, your decisions being made by your will, Paul says God's peace will guard these things just like the very prominent contingency of Roman soldiers that guarded the city of Philippi. Think about that word guard for a sec. Something needs to be guarded when it constantly comes under siege, right? We highly educated, highly intelligent products of the enlightened Western civilization, we like to think that it is our heart, our mind, and our will that will guard us and bring us peace as we use our reason to sort things out and make sense of things. Paul says that our hearts, our minds, our wills are actually the place where we are vulnerable to attack. Reason alone, feelings alone, reflexes alone, those things can't be relied upon to tell us what is true about where we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. Paul says it's the peace of God, and now we realize what he's saying is it is the God of peace that will guard our inmost selves when we find ourselves overwhelmed and overcome. Remember, we've, we've already acknowledged that anxious thoughts naturally multiply in times of trouble. We can't control what we feel in a given moment. We can't control what pops into our heads. 
We can't control what urges will push us to act in a certain way. All we can control is what we do with those, how we respond to them. And the way Paul calls us to respond to them is by bringing God into them. So think again about the troublesome circumstances that hang over your head right now. Notice this swirl of endless thoughts and feelings that are racing around on the inside of you because somehow we think we can think our way out of this. Ask God to guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your will with his peace. Ask him to quiet your feelings, to direct your thoughts, to take control of your will with his peace. And as a result, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, Paul says. Now, it seems like just a little spiritual tag at the end of this, kind of like the word amen. It's like, this sounds like the spiritual thing to say. I'll just plunk this at the end of the sentence, in Christ Jesus. But it's really much more than that. In some ways, these three little words are the heart of this verse. Theologians speak of the idea of our mystical union with Christ, to talk about the way in which we as followers of Christ not only find, to our amazement, Christ residing in us, but we find that we ourselves reside in him. The Christian life is lived in one another. Different translations seek to capture the depth that lies behind these three little words. In Christ Jesus is translated in union with Christ. Because you belong to Christ. As you trust in Christ. As you live in Christ. As you rest in Christ. The peace of Christ will be yours. Jesus is the defining reality of our lives when we are followers of Christ. And peace comes when we remember that that's the case. The verse right before this passage we're looking at ends with these words, chapter 4, verse 5. The Lord is near. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything. And that anticipates where Paul is going in this passage when we look at the second half of it next week and see where he concludes. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. In the end, our peace is found in the person of Jesus and in our relationship with him, not in a circumstance going the way that we want it to go. Jesus in John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. And in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So one more time, call to mind your own troublesome circumstances. And now standing in the mud of those, fix your eyes on Jesus with whom, for whom, and in whom you live. Don't just bring him into your circumstances. Bring your circumstances into him. Here's how Eugene Peterson captures this whole part of the passage we've been looking at. Philippians 4.7 in his message translation before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. 
It is wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's exactly what I found happening to me during Holy Week. Every time I found myself in list paralysis, I just cried out to God. Lord, none of this is a surprise to you. I am overwhelmed. I don't know how to get through all this. I don't even know where to begin, but Lord, you do know, and, and you are all I need. Just quiet my heart, Lord. Bring clear to me what those, those few things are that you're calling me to. Lord, take me by the hand. Walk me through this. You are enough. And the more I prayed and brought God into it, the more over the course of that week, my inner being and all the noise that rose up from it became more quiet and more and more I was able to rest and trust and focus on the one thing in front of me, God seeing me through it. My list didn't go away. But over time, the habit of including God and opening to God and opening my eyes to God and orienting to God and admitting my need for God, that brought about a deep peace in me. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What's God been saying to you this morning? What's his invitation? Would you pray with me? And as we do, we can invite the kids to come on in. Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace, when you were born, the angels filled the sky and they declared glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace is your project, Lord. And as your children, you come and you breathe into us your peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I give you my peace. Lord, as a, as a people together, as a family, as a colony of heaven, you call us together to be ruled by your peace in our dealings with one another. Your word says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And you also called us, Lord, to be heralds of your peace. Going out as your ambassadors and introducing this anxious world to you, the Prince of Peace. As your word says, you yourself are our peace. You came and you preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through you, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Lord, this gift of peace that you offer to us, you also offer to the world through us. Lord, make us instruments of your peace by your spirit, descend upon us and give us your peace.